Say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Jim Hinckley's America. A good morning, my friends. A little bit of music there from Joe and Woody, the boys of the Road Crew. RoadCrew66.com if you need a theme song for your adventure on Route 66 in the back roads of America. Hey, today we're going to be uh, kicking off uh, our programs this week. We'll fo- focus on some quirky automotive history. Uh, Wednesday, we'll be talking about uh, Cadwallader Kelsey and his fascinating, innovative, and ill-fated motorette. Today, we're going to talk about uh, two modern classics, if you will, quirky classics, The Gremlin and the Pacer by American Motors Corporation. You know, uh, Tesla is more than... uh, an innovative company, a leader in the uh, evolution of modern transportation. They have an historical precedent. It's hard to imagine today we have uh, GM, Chrysler, Ford in the United States, but we also have Toyota, Nissan, we have these big companies. And we have a tendency to forget it was the uh, Years ago, in the dawning of the automotive industry and up through the early 1950s, we had a lot of what they called independent automobile manufacturers, small companies, that to survive, since they didn't have the money for a lot of redesign, retooling, they relied on unique innovation and and selling everything on the hog, including the squeal. And uh, American Motors in the 1970s had two cars that really exemplify this, the Gremlin. Uh, To say that the Gremlin was unique, well, like that of the Volkswagen Beetle, he was designed to compete against. It was kind of confusing. It was like nothing else on the road. In addition, like its chief competitor, the Gremlin soon acquired a surprisingly large base of loyal owners. Even though it was introduced on April Fool's Day in 1970, the little car was no joke. It represented a bold and innovative approach to resolving a pair of looming crises in the American auto industry. Due to uh, tightening of gas supplies, there was an alarming increase in the sale of fuel frugal imports that were gathering a larger and larger shares of the market. For AMC, the Gremlin represented a small triumph. It had beat both GM and Ford to the punch by several months. They were getting ready to introduce the Vega and the Pinto. They had been planning to introduce a small car model as a 1971 model. AMC also continued a long tradition of small independent manufacturers 
creatively utilizing available resources to produce an all-new vehicle within the parameters of a very limited budget. In the case of the Gremlin, the company created the foundation for the truncated hatchbacks by cutting 12 inches from the wheelbase of the recently introduced Hornet. The Gremlin's first year's sales exceeded the company's projections. And for a brief time, orders outpaced production capabilities. For the following year, in an effort to ensure strong sales, AMC introduced a lengthy options list that included sporty trim and appearance packages, as well as features such as an X package. In the years to follow, other notable option packages like the Levi's interior, complete with blue denim rivets and pockets, was made available. In spite of a small price increase from a base price of $18.99 to $19.99, sales continued to increase. Demographics showed that the car was most popular with younger adults. They viewed the car as practical and hip. For 1972, rather than invest in sheet metal modifications, AMC chose to focus on mechanical improvements. The outdated uh, and antiquated vacuum windshield wipers. And uh, anybody who's used these antiquated vacuum windshield wipers set up, they're more for novelty use only. Well, AMC replaced these with a two-speed electrical unit as standard equipment. They changed the front suspension and updated it to a new one-piece one ball joint. And the old-style Borg Warner transmission was replaced with the bulletproof Chrysler Torque Flight. The options list was also greatly expanded. Among the items now offered were front disc brakes, a, a folding sunroof, an inside hood release, a 304 cubic inch displacement V8 engine, and two types of six-cylinder engines. When new, the Gremlin represented an alternative to import models for consumers in search of an American-built economy car. When it first began to appear on used car lots, it was an excellent car for the first-time buyer on a tight budget. In light of rising gas prices, today it represents a practical alternative to muscle cars and the American land yachts of the era, especially if you lean towards the eccentric. And speaking of eccentricity, next up we have the Pacer. Should a car that sold a quarter of a million units over its first three years be called a failure? On March 1st, 1975, the United States was pulling out of Vietnam, heading into a deep recession and still reeling from the gas crunch of a year before. And against all these odds, American Motors introduced the Pacer, derisively known as the Goldfish Bowl, the Moon Buggy, the Space Module, the Pregnant Guppy. People called it names, but people bought 72,000 of them the first year, and over 117,000 of them on its second year. Pacers were common enough to be held up decades later as a 1970s icon, right up there with disco and leisure suits. Sales fell sharply between 1978 and 1980, and the Pacer said goodbye. But why is the Pacer called a failure? Could it be its advanced aerodynamic styling? Could it be its trademark acreage of glass and visibility? Could it be the dashboard, which was 10 years ahead of its time? 
Could it be the wide, comfortable body that was length of a pinto, but the width of a Cadillac? Probably not. It was just different. AMC was born from a merger between Nash and Hudson in 1954, and beginning with the innovative strut-style suspension in the 1930s and its aerodynamic bodies in the late 1940s, Nash had a habit of thinking outside the norms. Sometimes it paid off, and in the recession of 1958, AMC's Rambler was the only American car with increased sales over previous years. Other times, AMC became a laughingstock, and Gremlins, Hornets, and Pacers from the 70s still received cruel jabs. The Pacers' faults were not in its engineering. It was originally designed to carry the innovative, powerful Wankel rotary engine with front-wheel drive, but the deal with GM to supply the engines fell through, and the Pacer hastily received a standard, proven AMC six-cylinder engine and rear-wheel drive. Pacer bashers might not have laughed quite so hard if they had been blown off the road by Pacers with Mazda's RX-7 performance. The Pacers' rounded corners were laughed at in the 1970s, right when car enthusiasts were beginning to seriously collect 1940s and 50s cars that were defined by their sleek, rounded shape. New car buyers who laughed at the Pacer in the 70s couldn't wait to buy Ford Thunderbirds in 1983 and Chrysler K cars in 1984 when rounded corners were suddenly cool after 20 years of creased rectangles. People who ridiculed the Pacer's optional Levi Strauss interior package now drive around in SUVs with fashionable Harley-Davidson interiors or shuttle their kids to school in Warner Brothers minivans with Bug Bunny on the tailgate. The Pacers' failings were basically due to quality. Used car dealers report that Pacers had flimsy interiors, weak weather stripping, and poor upholstery. The door handles came off in their hands and the window mechanisms jammed. The engines, transmissions, rear differentials were sturdy. But everything stuck to that engine seemed to cause problems. The AMC Pacer has a small but enthusiastic group of followers. They, like the Chrysler Airflow fans, wear satisfied grins as they see Pacers' rounded corners, sleek shapes, and glass area peeking out of 21st century cars. I have never had a Pacer or a Gremlin, I must confess. And, to be honest, I was working in garages during these periods. The AMC Pacer just always kind of left me cold. It didn't do much for me. The Gremlin, I always liked that car. I had several opportunities to buy one and kind of regret that I never did. I was wondering uh, if anybody out there has ever had uh, first-hand experience with a Gremlin or Pacer, I'd sure like to hear from you, hear what your experiences were. Well, we're going to wrap this up today. Don't forget to join us Wednesday morning, 6.30 Mountain Standard Time for another episode of Wake Up for Jim. Share the story of Cadwalder Kelsey and his amazing motorette. As we bid adios, I want to give a shout out to today's sponsor, Delightful, Magical, Surprising, Tucumcari, New Mexico. No New Mexico or Route 66 adventure can be considered complete without a visit to wonderful, wonderful Tucumcari. Take care, my friends. We'll see you Wednesday morning.
say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Jim Hinckley's America.